Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. Right now we have on the line for us Andrew McCarthy. He's a columnist for the National Review. He also served as an assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. And welcome, Andrew McCarthy. Uh, nice to be with you. So, uh, Andy, it's uh, it's Richard Weinberg. I want to talk to you about, about three issues. What do you think about these uh, investigations going on in the International Criminal Court about war crimes against uh, Putin? Well, I, you know, I, I never think that that I'm, I mean, that's what they do. And I think that's fine. Um, it seems to me that anything that puts pressure on the U.S. administration to to acknowledge the evidence that's going on before all of our eyes, which is that there are attacks on civilians and serial war crimes being committed by uh, Putin's regime in Ukraine, uh, anything that uh, so far President Biden hasn't been willing to acknowledge that. So I think anything that brings pressure to bear uh, for him to make that acknowledgement is helpful. And one of the things about if he is, in fact, indicted by the International Criminal Court, that means his freedom of movement is totally curtailed. Where is he going to go? He can't go to the United Nations. He can't go to international conferences. What does that mean for us? Well, I think, you know, look, his freedom of movement is going to be curtailed regardless, I think, of what the uh, International Criminal Court does. The United States, by the way, doesn't we're not a, a part formally of the International uh, Criminal Court. So I don't know how much their writ would run here, but he would have other problems here, I would imagine. Um, you know, there there are legal complications with anything like this. There's a sovereign uh, immunity doctrine. Um, you know, it would be very complicated. I think that Putin, I would think, would be more worried about the people around him than the International Criminal Court. And I, I would imagine that, um, uh, and I would certainly hope that his day-to-day is consumed with uh, with that worry rather than what's going on I in the I think that's hog. a good point. The s- second thing is you recently had a column about Obama when he was president leaving uh, the Ukraine defenseless. Could you talk about that, please? Yeah, the uh, Ukrainians, one of the reasons I've really felt strongly that the United States uh, owes it to uh, help the Ukrainians defend themselves, including arming them to the teeth, uh, is the fact that we played an instrumental role in disarming them. That includes the the Budapest Agreement uh, in the 90s, in the mid-90s. 1994, um, right. Yeah, right. Um, Where we got them to give up their nuclear weapons. And then when Obama was a member of the Senate, uh, he worked with the Republican Richard Lugar to persuade the Ukrainians to give up a great deal of their conventional weapons as well. Uh, And then in Obama's administration, he didn't he, he wouldn't give them. Uh, the weaponry that they needed to defend themselves, like javelin anti-tank weapons, um, even after the right, yeah, even after the Russians took Ukraine and were waging war, uh, I'm I'm sorry, took Crimea mm-hmm. and were waging a border war in uh, in the east that they're obviously now trying to uh, finish off. Andrew, this is Craig Eaton, a fellow attorney here, and um, I, I read your bio; it's very impressive. Now, I have one question for you. You successfully prosecuted the Sheikh in 1995. What are your thoughts on the release today of Mohammed al-Quantani by the Biden administration, sending him back to Saudi Arabia, saying that he had some mental issues? Yeah, I've been very 
concerned about this, and it, my concerns go beyond Katani. I think it's, you know, it's one thing for President Biden to run around saying that, you know, notwithstanding how ugly it was in Afghanistan, he got us out of the war and he ended the war and he's running around saying he ended the war. And what I would just stress to people is that your capacity to hold people without charges as enemy combatants hinges on there being a war. If the laws of war don't apply, if the laws of war are not in effect because there is no war, then if you're holding people in custody, your choice is either to charge them and try them in court or you have to release them. So I think the issue with Katani is very disturbing because there's evidence that he was complicit in the 9-11 plot, even though he didn't uh, get here uh, in a way that allowed him to participate in it. But this is a deeper problem because there are a number of people who are still dozens who are still held at uh, at Guantanamo Bay, and only a handful of them, relatively speaking, have actually been charged with war crimes and will face prosecution. We have to figure out what we're going to do with those other people. What about some kind of a conspiracy charge? I mean, they know from the evidence that they're involved, that they had some involvement in this. They said he was the potential 20th uh, pilot that was going to hijacker. Yeah. Uh, Well, see, you know, I think the problem with this, and I've, I've had to wrestle this. I had to wrestle with it as a prosecutor when we actually did bring them into court to, to prosecute them. But um, after the war began in earnest after 2001, because I think the other side was at war for eight years before we kind of, uh, you know, we were treating it as a law enforcement problem. But the, the thing is, in wartime, a lot of what we do is based on intelligence that simply cannot be revealed in court. And I had intelligence that we could reveal in court, and I had to fight tooth and nail with the intelligence agencies to get it. So, you know, I know uh, how, how difficult this can be. And the big problem, I'm afraid, when you try to treat a national security problem as if it's a judicial proceeding is that you're, you know, in intelligence, you're dealing with a lot of information that may be very reliable, but it's stuff that you simply can't even, not only can't even, can't prove it in court, you can't acknowledge where it came from. You know, there's a case in the Supreme Court in the last few days where even though everyone on planet Earth knows that we had uh, you know, one of these uh, internment in, in sites or uh, the places where they did the enhanced interrogations. We know we had one of those dark sites in Poland because of all the reporting and the testimony that's been given about it. But because the intelligence community has never acknowledged what countries helped us with dark sites outside the United States, um, they won't acknowledge that Poland was involved. And the Supreme Court said that they're allowed to do that because we take these intelligence relationships very seriously. So it's a big problem when you're trying to deal with things that have to be proved in court. Acknowledged. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on. And we have to, we're running out of time and we have to take a break and uh, uh, let's have you on again real soon so we can get the rest of the story. Thanks so much. Thank you.